Welcome to the Send Parenting Podcast. I'm your neurodiverse host, Dr. Olivia Kessel. And more importantly, I'm mother to my wonderfully neurodivergent daughter, Alexandra, who really inspired this podcast. As a veteran in navigating the world of neurodiversity in a UK education system, I've uncovered a wealth of misinformation, alongside many answers and solutions that were never taught to me in medical school or in any of the parenting handbooks. Each week on this podcast, I will be bringing the experts to your ears to empower you on your parenting crusade. In this episode, we are welcoming back Tamsin Hendry, an amazing SEND consultant, to talk about what you can do as a parent if your child isn't getting the right support in school. We will discuss the importance of the local authority graduated response and how this can help lay the foundation, if you need to, on your journey for your EHCP application. You will be able to download key points discussed today by visiting www.sendparenting.com and accessing this episode. If you signed up already to the mailing list, you'll be sent an email with the information as a free resource. Welcome to the Send Parenting Podcast, Tamsin. It's so great to have you back on the show to now really get into the depths of your knowledge about Send provision in mainstream schools. It's so important for parents to understand what support is available for them. And it's not, it's about as clear as mud when you're sitting outside of, of that understanding of it. So, but when you have that knowledge, it can really empower you as a parent to know what you can get out of your school and how to actually access it. So I appreciate you coming on today to to explain what is a quite complicated topic and not a lot of people know about it because I've really searched high and low for people who could explain this. And you are really one of the, the first people that has been able to explain it to me in a way that I could understand. So no pressure. Uh, <laughs> Um, but, uh, and, and, and we'll have some PDFs for people to, to look at afterwards too, if they have questions. But first of all, my understanding is that in terms of support, it all falls under your local offer and that is dependent on your local authority. But perhaps it's best if you explain, uh, the local offer and the local authority. Okay. So every local offer under the code of practice, which is a, a statutory document, every local authority has to produce a local offer. And so whether you're from New Newcastle or you're from Surrey or from London, if you type in your the name of your borough followed by send local offer, you, it will bring up a, a wealth of knowledge. That knowledge is normally divided into three sections, parents and carers, young people and practitioners. So it's for all of us to use and all of us to access. And on there, it tells you what services are available in your area if you're a parent and what send schools are available and, and touches on the, the, the flow chart of what happens from the point that you recognize that your child has a need. Okay, so this is for parents that maybe are undiagnosed or diagnosed. It's it's for everybody, both. yeah, okay. for both. And it's it's they're usually very clear so you can tap onto where you are in your journey. So you might, you know, and the questions are normally that simple. I think my child is falling behind. Okay. Right the way through to my child has an EHCP and we've got an annual review. All right, so, so it's the width and breadth. It, it really is, covers everything. You need to familiarise yourself with the local offer to know what's in your area. It will answer most of your questions. Well, that's fascinating. And that it's different in different areas too. So that's also interesting, but probably a topic for another discussion. And then you've told me before that the local offer is then broken down into three components. Um, 
um, starting with the SEND support arrangement plans? Well, so what I would say to parents is <laughs> the, mo- the most important section you should really be looking at is the section for practitioners. Okay. Because that will be the part that helps you understand how your child is supported in school. So if you want to look at what services are available in your area, you're going to go on to um, an, an, an overview of the, the flow chart of the system, go into parents and carers. If you want to understand what's happening within the schools, research what's available for practitioners. Interesting. That's a good tip. Um, because you're then looking from the inside rather than being on the outside. And what type of things would you see when you're looking at one? So th- for practitioners, the documentation that you use to assess children's development with. Okay. That's why it's so important. Because so the, the first the first document within that is the SEND support arrangement that I want to talk about. Okay. So often parents know a little bit or they may have a few pieces of paper from that. So it will look different in every borough, but fundamentally it's a document that contains all the information about your child and all the reviews that take place. It's putting it all in one place. So if you then are early in your journey and you go and see a speech and language therapist or a community pediatrician or an occupational therapist, you can take that document with you and there's everything in there without the emotion that gives them a picture of your child in in a holistic way. So some parents might have, their school might have said, oh, we've done a one-page profile for your child. That's quite common that that parents may have a one-page profile. And some schools do it for all children. And in there, it's what's important to them, how how they learn, uh, what people like about them. And it's kind of an overview so that if you have a supply teacher come in or they're going into a different classroom, someone's got a quick overview about that child. It's like a snapshot. Yeah, if they need their activities broken down, if they need visuals, whatever it might be. So it's a real snapshot. So parents might have that and some parents might have an individual support plan so the school might have called them in and said okay we're going to do some extra reading we're going to do some maths catch up and they tend to record it as maybe three or four goals on an individual support plan or an ISP and then parents might get that termly and they'll review children's progress so those are two pieces um that are quite common that parents might have come across they're actually a small part of a very large document okay um and that large document is what parents it's really helpful if parents know about that document because there's input parents can have on there there's a family page where families complete it and say these are my aspirations for my child these are my concerns these are my worries this is what we find works for them so if you've got those two pieces if if you research a local offer under practitioners and you came across a sense of port arrangements you might look at that large document which is about 30 pages and say oh well I've got that and I've seen that but I haven't seen the rest of it that's down to parents to be informed and go in and say actually I I recognize these have we got the rest of it um, and the, the rest of it is really important because it's that that's submitted when you apply for an EHCP if that's a decision that's made later on so it's important that it's updated all the time and seen as a whole document there's no in my view there's no good having pieces of it, it, it we need that overview and is it is it is it more common that you don't get the whole thing it's it's just those two documents that people are familiar with unless yeah. a parent comes in and says hey we need to have the whole picture here so that's really super interesting in or terms of being unless, unless we get to the point where the school or the parents saying actually we'd like to request a statutory assessment for an EHCP okay. and then it's all got you know everything's everyone's rushing to get this huge document done when actually it didn't need to be a rush it done from the beginning it is a really detailed document and takes the schools lots of time and again schools are under resourced so for me I always do it with the parent we do it together because it's too much for one Senko can do to do on their own but actually the parent is much more informed than the Senko anyway because it's their child so it's a document that I would 
really encourage parents to try and work with the school in doing rather than saying, actually, you need to complete this. So is it something that parents can like complete themselves and then come and have that discussion with a Senko to take that burden of work off them and then sit down with a Senko and say, look, I filled this out to the best of my ability. And can you now input into it? it that could be a way to kind of navigate. Absolutely. That's how I, that's how I would always recommend for a parent to do it. Um, because and, and also it's a, a starting of a conversation of, of the school saying, well, we're not seeing that at all. Yeah. And, and understanding what the child needs. So if a child is reading at home and uh, sharing at home and doing all these things at home, listening and attention is good, but they're not doing it at school. That's a conversation to be had. What's in place at home that isn't at school? It's quiet. There's one-to-one. You know, it's really an EHCP and the centre port arrangement. The whole purpose of it is to say, what does this child need in place to be able to learn? So by the parents taking the weight of that from a Senko is a dream come true really uh, but bearing in mind going back to a, a, another podcast that we did that we have to listen to what the schools say because children behave differently in different places and actually having that communication between yourself and the Senko about how that might be different is going to benefit yeah. both of you because then you you get a, a less one-dimensional view of a child absolutely absolutely so you get this document together and um, you may or may not want to to go down the route for an EHCP can you explain a little bit about what advice you would give parents when they were time deciding to take that next step, maybe to go get the EHCP and, and what that means. Okay, so within that, if we if we go back a, a small step, so within that graduate, within the local offer under practitioners, you've got the centre port arrangements. There's another document called the graduated response. And it's exactly as it's, as it's described. It's a graduated response to recognising the need of a child and the severity of that need. Okay. So if anybody has seen um, an EHCP, or, or not um, they're divided into four sections uh, cognition and learning communication and interaction social emotional and mental health and physical and sensory so the centre support arrangements are also divided into those four sections as is the document called the graduated response so we're looking at those four sections of children's development the graduated response itself is an information a document full of information and it's not accessible to parents through the local offer you have to go in through the, the practitioner section and it's divided into two parts one is profile of need and one the, the second section is plan do a review what, what we do about this child's profile of need so the profile of need both sections are divided into four categories universal so the universal child then you've got sent setting support which means the school needs to do a bit a bit more a bit more than they perhaps would for the universal child but not it doesn't require extra funding the third section is specialist support which means a child would need to be referred to speech and language occupational therapy physio whatever it might be behavioural support and the final category is statutory assessment which means child has got to the point where we need to move forward so it's this graduated response the profile of need that you're reading and it'll say if your child presents in this way this is the category they fall into so by working your way through that graduated response and highlighting where you think your child falls it gives you the answer it's um, kind of like a roadmap to to, a, to that answer absolute roadmap. absolute roadmap and the second part of that once you've got an idea so you might say okay under communication interaction my child's falling into specialist support but in the area of social emotional mental health there it's 
setting support, school support. Um, the second part of the document gives a really clear guidance about what you can do, f- what schools can do for those children that are falling into the different categories. So as a parent, you're seeing, so you this is where schools and parents often differ because a parent might say, oh, I think they're at this level. And the school will say, well, actually, we think they're at a lesser level. When they're at school, they're behaving in this way. That's why it's really important to listen to one another and kind of come to a middle ground. But rather than going into, if you get to know the graduating response, which very few parents know about, when you go into the meeting, you're going informed. You're not sitting there saying, what are you going to do for my child? You're going in and saying, this is what I'd like us to talk about doing for my child. And I found it on the graduating response from my local authority. I know it's available to you. And this is what I'd like to happen. It totally empowers and activates you as a parent to be able to like take take, take control and to help a system which is overburdened and overworked. And it's in your interest because it's your child and you want to help that your child more than anyone on the world, really. You know, that is your your raison d'etre. And, you know, to to be able to, it just makes so much sense that I had no idea about that you can look at those documents, look at your roadmap and then go really have a productive conversation where it's not just do this for me. Why aren't you doing it? Which is what I did, actually. I was like, help me with my EHCP. I didn't even know what it was, you know? So it it changes the, it changes the conversation. It it changes your empowerment. It's amazing. And and also about being realistic. So you might go in and again, thinking about the primary, what's your primary focus. So there's no good going in and saying, I want you to do 10 assessments on my child and I want 14 specialists to come in. It's, it's a graduated response. So it's one thing at a time. Actually, I'd like us to, this half term, I'd like us to focus on physical and sensory. So I'd like my child to have movement breaks. I understand there's this training program that that staff could access. Could that be part of one of your inset days? Or, you know, I've got a private occupational therapist that I've engaged. Would they be able to come in and do a session in school to model what will help my child? So it's about, it's, it's easy to run before you can walk and say, oh my goodness, there's all these amazing things available on the local authority that's not going to cost anybody any money can we do them it's about saying there's still staffing problems there's still your child is one of 30 what can we do what what what's possible what can is it possible that my child could be taken out every day for some catch-up math programs within a small group of other children that might be in the same position so it's about being realistic but the most really really important thing to do is that that is reviewed half termly senko's a stretch they don't have the time it's down to you to drive that and be quite forceful in the fact that you do want regular meetings or at least the review to be sent home to you half-termly because you're building a picture. And you're also seeing what's working and what doesn't work because I like that idea of, okay, we're going to we're gonna change one thing, firstly because of the burden and the resources, but also because you want to make sure that what you're doing is actually having a positive impact. And if you do too many things at once, it's very hard to see what's actually having the impact. So taking that, that graded response, actually, then you know what's you know what you should keep, what you shouldn't keep and what's working. Yeah, and being kind to the Senkos, you know, there's so many the role of a senko is often taken on in addition to their role as a teacher um and actually neutral senko training is the biggest uptake of training in most boroughs because it's too much it's just too much so my advice to any senko is use your parents as your most valuable resource in helping you write these documents but also to say to parents be grateful be thankful speak to them in the way you would anyone else because actually the kinder you are the more willing people are to work with you i think we tend to like the poor uh, i was talked about in a previous podcast the poor lady in the supermarket that I took everything out on you know we all tend to take things out on Senko so that relationship is really something that needs to be looked after and sometimes it's hard because parents have been through the mill they've got the bruises they've got the scars and and like in your example when you lost it in the supermarket you know some of us are a pressure cooker about to explode and it can come out at the totally wrong the person who you need to help you the most gets that uh explosion from you you know so find someone else to explode with 
Yeah, it's true. And I was having a conversation with the headmaster at my son's school, actually. And I said, I know you think I'm, uh, I, th- I know you think I'm overprotective. I know that. But I've had boxing gloves on since he was two. It's really hard to take them off, even though I trust you, even though I think you're doing a great job. It's just habit. Yeah. And it's really hard to put those boxing gloves down and say, let's do this together. Um, rather than fighting, you know, I do think send parents, we often are stuck in that fighting mode. Yeah. And we, we've had to, but equally, it doesn't always serve as well. Yeah. There's, 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 there's time and a place and then there's a time to, to collaborate because it's yeah. in the best interest of your child so actually you're fighting smart you know yeah, instead of yeah. uh, burning your bridges and, and also by using and engaging with documents like the graduated response you're speaking a universal language that everybody understands and it's less draining because because there isn't the you're not speaking from the your heart and soul about your child you're talking about a graduated response to a problem that's occurring for your child in school so it's, it's the whole thing is less emotionally draining yeah it's a it's more clinical is the way I would look at it it's yeah. more prescribed so you you've gone along this roadmap you've done your graduated response and you're starting to realize that actually your child needs more specialist support and it's pointing you towards the EHCP or educational health care plan um, can, uh, which is a big big thing in and of itself um, what would you advise parents if that's where they're getting to so if you if you've gone to a graduated response and you feel like so when you're requesting an EHCP you're not actually requesting an EHCP you're, you're requesting a statute assessment and a statutory assessment is when you're you've gone to the local you've gone to the local authority and said okay my child's falling behind in this way these are the things these this is their profile of need based on the graduated response this is what's been done over at least three terms i would say okay. you have to have evidence for at least three terms of intervention to show that you've engaged in a graduated response um we now would like a statutory request we're requesting a statutory assessment which means an educational psychologist would come into the school to observe your child and see what their advice is and what support's needed so there's two phases to it the first time you go to panel and they'll say yes we'll carry out a statutory assessment or no we won't and the second time you go to panel they're saying right we've carried out the statutory assessment and we are either going to issue a plan or we're not my advice to any parent is in between requesting the statutory assessment and if that's agreed requesting then an EHCP plan be prepared that the answer may be no and to prepare yourself for that you need to gather new evidence in between those phases because if they say no can request a way forward meeting and say I've got new evidence so whether that's you've gone and got an occupational therapy report or you've gone uh, the school of called in a specialist behavioural teacher whatever it might be you need to be gathering some new evidence so that if the answer is no I always say you know manage your expectations imagine it's going to be a no and prepare as such so you need some new evidence in case they're going to say no and it sounds like the likelihood is that they will say no and it's uh, arming yourself for that kind of potential yeah. outcome so that and it's benefiting your child as well right you're trying to yeah, get fine. further evidence to see what is needed for your child to access education which at the end of the day is really yeah. what we're all trying to do here yeah. and the truth is it all goes back many years ago to the Mary Warnock report who basically said um, that's what our system is built on that, that said okay we should close all our special needs schools down we should take all those trained teachers from those special needs schools integrate our children into mainstream schools and bring those specialists teams with them however she's revised her report and said we had no idea there'd be this many children with special needs and actually in in this in a school if every child that deserved an EHCP got one the whole system would break so they're not easily given it's for children that really do require above and beyond at school yeah and what's and difficult for schools is even if you've got a child that has an EHCP with 30 hours as their as their number of, of, of their support level the school have to fund the first percentage of that time so it costs schools money 
for children to have an EHCP. I hear lots of parents in different communities saying, you know, they've got all this money to support my child and yet they're not using it to support my child. Actually, it costs them money. So again, you need to look at that and look at what an educational psychologist is saying and saying, is this still the right place for my child or would they be better moving into a specialist provision? And that's, and that's you know, a really interesting journey as well from a parent's perspective and a school's perspective in the, and also to the report you just mentioned in that we do need specialist schools because, you know, there, there, there is a need for them and there is a need for children to access them so that they can access education. And you can't put everyone all together, kumbaya, it doesn't work um, no. for and all children. Yeah, and there's a real, everybody, you know, talks about inclusion and integration. They are two really different things. For me, integration is, okay, we've got all these children with these really significant profile of needs. I'm going to slot them into an education system that, uh, and try and adapt it as best we can. Or you have really inclusive practice, which is creating um, an environment that works for those children based on their needs. For me, that's inclusion. Some people would see that as segregation. I, I don't think that. I think no. it's that, and they, a personal view. They get segregated within that uh, group mentality as well because they can't access yeah. the education in this large group of people. So they're already by definition segregated because they're just sitting there going, oh, I don't get what's going on yeah. here. You know, so and, it's a. Uh, and you've got in any class, I would say to any parent, any parent that's looking at schools, you've got 30 children in a class. You might have three of those children with English and additional language. You may have three children that have got behavioral difficulties. You may have three children that have got a significant profile of need, but nobody has done anything about that. Nobody recognizes it. And so those, they've got no support in place. And within that is your child. So teachers have got a really, really challenging job. And whereas in a specialist provision, the numbers are so much smaller, which makes those profiles of need really manageable. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely hear you and, and agree. And I think one of the things that I'm very passionate about and, and want to do going forward is we need more specialist schools. And how do we build more schools like that for kids? Because that's the saddest thing is when you have come to that realization as a parent, and then you can't find a school that will take your child because they're just, yeah. they're oversubscribed. So Absolutely. I think that model needs to change a bit. You know, you have really clearly, I wish I could have talked to you when, when I started my journey, you know, <laughs> but I think that you're going to be so helpful to people because you just laid it out a very complicated subject you made really simple. And you've also got um, some notes that I'm going to um, include on the website and, and send out to people, which give um, what send advice and support is out there for people to access. So we will have yes. that on, on the website because um, it is a confusing topic. I think you've done a really good job of, of clarifying it, but there's always going to be more questions. So finding the right resources. So thank you Absolutely. very much, Tamsin. I welcome. really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. And we'll look forward to having you on the show again, I'm sure. Lovely. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Send Parenting Tribe, for listening. Please visit www.sendparenting.com to access this episode and download two amazing free resources. The first resource is the value of understanding the local offer and the graduated response. So kind of what we've been discussing in the podcast today. And then also another document, which will give you where to access, send advice and support that was also discussed today. Wishing you and your family a good week ahead.